What's up, Mike? How's it going? How have you been? Wow, I haven't talked Chad. to you in so long. <laughs> oh, I'm just doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Wow, it's been forever since we talked. Yeah, it's like, I think that was maybe three seconds. <laughs> so we're doing something, let's just let everybody know that <clears throat> is uh, listening to the Dark Art Society podcast this week, that we are trying something different this week. We're live right now on our Discord server, which is for Dark Art Society members that are $3 and up, and they are listening to us record this live. They actually just listened to the pre-roll that we were recording live. That was a good pre-roll, too. Yeah, it was fun. And actually, it's kind of fun for them because a lot of these people aren't $5 members, so they wouldn't get to listen to the pre-roll otherwise. So uh, so now they're listening to – right $3 or $5? $5 is for the pre-roll. 3 is for Discord. So ah, these all $3 people are getting freebies right now. Yeah. But anyway, so for people that are listening, uh, we're going to incorporate the fact that we have this handful of people here. And while we're doing this episode, if they have questions and things that relate to the conversation we're having – uh, topically, then we're going to answer them and incorporate them. So, yes. just another reason to be involved in the Discord, the Discord channel. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was talking about, uh, uh, yeah, we were talking in the pre-roll about this Magic.me website, M-A-G-I-C-K dot mm-hmm. M-E. Anyone that's interested in this magic classes I've been taking, and um, that guy Jason Louv, he runs Ultra Ultra Culture website. Also, that which is great, which is great, and it's like blog posts, and it and it always kind of directs people to that website, which is I think where he makes his money from the magic classes. But um, he also has a podcast, and he just started a Patreon for it too. Um, it's the Ultra Culture Podcast, and their Patreon's pretty cool. So, just giving a, giving a shout out. I want to get him on on the show because he's yeah he's got he's uh, really really super smart knows knows a lot of shit so. Yeah, well, all the all the material you've turned me on to, I've immediately been, you know, impressed with the simplicity of the presentation and the accessibility of the right. information. Yeah. So that's it's great. Yeah, it's all it's all stripped down info, and well, chaos magic in general is the idea is that it's stripped of all the dogma and technical stuff. It's sort of the taking the basic principles of ceremony, ceremonial magic and stuff. But it's just it was good. It was good. Because I, you know, I even I had a kind of a prejudice against it mm-hmm. in a way. Like, well, it's know. funny. I remember that because you know, for all the years that you and I have been engaged with one another, you've always gotten to these moments where you're like, "Should I take the excited. plunge? Yeah, Should exactly. I do it? You'll you'll get excited about the chaos magic thing, and you'll be like talking to me about it, but you'll be reserved and kind of <laughs> nervous. Like, yeah. well, I, you know, I'm and I, I'm always like, well, "What are you nervous about? You know, because you're. Well, it's like I okay. I never called it that. You know, you know me. Yeah, I never yeah, yeah. was like, "Oh, I'm a fucking chaos magician." I never thought about yeah, it that yeah. way. But I evidently, as it turns out, I've been doing it, you know, since I was a little kid. And so, you know, it's so for me, it's like so just second nature that it's like it's kind of funny that it would seem weird or off putting to somebody, especially someone like you. But <laughs> I, I appreciate it because of, you know, the background that you came from is also very different than the background I came from, you right, know. Yeah. Well, you're and also you're more impulsive and crazier than me. Like you, you take sure. you take crazy chances that i would never take and i'm more like okay well, you i want to make sure you some crazy chances but it's <laughs> if they haven't turned out bad then they were just they, they were intelligent gambles rather than crazy chances well one of your intelligent gambles i think i saved you from cracking your head open when, when was that that was when you wanted to walk across that wall that time and, and wherever we were and i was like you need to get off the wall remember and you were like oh i'm gonna walk across walk the, along this wall remember outside of that restaurant oh at hell city yeah 
and, and you're like, yeah, probably I should get off the wall. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> anyway, any, anyway, yeah, but let's not let's not let's not fail to mention that that was precluded by a, a ride in the back of a caravan with no seats, with no means, no blaring at like volume a million, and you like screaming through this little neighborhood, throwing us around corners and a smashing side to side like in a washing machine. That's true. That's so. true. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, okay, so yeah, my my background is like more my mom stuff my mom taught me, which is new, very new agey, and um, right. you know, don't mess. You know, there's no dark forces or anything, and it's like once you get into any kind of magic, it's like you realize that some you know there are negative energies, and there are some people that can use them, and 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 it can fuck with you. You know, it sure. can come back and bite you on the ass. So. Um, what I like about these classes that I took is the guy kind of talks about these things that some people do. And um, he's just like, don't even bother with this stuff because it's too dangerous. You know, it's you can do all this stuff and not even touch that stuff at all, you know. And and so I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. Anyway. Well, I agree I'm with that. It. I mean, that's, you know, that that's that's very true. And it's, yeah, but that but it's part of part of the reason probably I, I had a, a, like a, a a fear against it. Sure. Well, there's a lot of negative connotation that's wrapped up in, you know, our social indoctrination related to anything that I'm has so to do disappointed with in magic or the occult or <laughs> chaos or anything like that, you know. And even the word chaos, when you think about it itself, mm-hmm. has a really bad rap. And it's really just the same reason that, you know, dark art has a bad rap. Right. You know, I know. Like that's why I'm word like, oh, God, chaos. That's, and all I want is order in my life. That's, that's, that's <laughs> why that's why I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> it's like you of all people shame on you well you know it, it takes everybody it's there's a curve it's a learning yeah, curve you, yeah, know? And you are a product of your generation whether we want to be or not each of us i'm sure that millennials are far more open-minded than i am about <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> some things so, well and probably too much about some yeah. things from my observations you know like some of the things i've observed i'm like whoa well, all right <laughs> But at any rate, rate, well, this week we are going to dovetail off of last week because we really enjoyed the conversation and people seem to have really enjoyed the conversation as well that have listened. And that is more of inspirations and influences via movies and films that Chet and I love that have affected us and have, you know, been profound to us and and that we love and or have been influenced by. So we wanted to carry that on because there's so many good ones. I mean, of course, we could go on forever, but we had to at least do one more episode. Yeah. Yeah. But also, wait, before I mention that, though, I, I, I texted you about this so I wouldn't forget, and then I almost forgot. But I also <laughs> want to mention, before we get into the movies, to anyone that's listening, I just released a brand new trailer. It's three minutes long. It's called New Mexico True Horror, and it's pretty interesting, and I would like people to take a chance to watch it. I'll have a link in the description for this, and it will also lead you over to my Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash emails from infinity. And for $3 a month, you can watch this episodic miniseries, this New Mexico true horror unfold um, and have a special viewing seat for it as it unfolds. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. Jet's following it. So I, w- I just wanted to pitch it out there and hopefully people will uh, give it a follow and throw down a few bucks to follow along. The New Mexico Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> what do you what, what do you think of it, uh, of the trailer? Oh, it's and cool. Yeah, content? yeah. I love it. It's great. I'm excited to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I love the, uh, you know, I love that it's made on a phone. I think it's, I've been wanting to make a movie on a phone forever. 
Well, it's funny too. I should have said that. I haven't even mentioned that anywhere yet. But mm. yeah, that is part of it. Is the fact that it's basically the entire movie's on my cell phone, and yeah. it's like a old phone too. So it's even Shoot, better. Binky, Binky was telling me the other day that about some movie that was made entirely on an iPhone. Like there's some yeah. a bunch of movies that came or out. It's it's like big a thing. Big movies. You yeah, know, like, like feature release movies. Crazy. Yeah, I like that yeah. idea. Carrie said uh, said that it looks great. Thanks, Carrie. And the Crypt Collector looks interested too. These are our Discord people that are watching yes. along. And Andrew Hawkins says time crimes rocks too. Time so crimes, anyway, which I mentioned last time, you did. And before since this is a a, and he's looking forward to the New Mexico True Horror series. So, uh, you know, this is a good time to bring it up. This is a film episode. So, what'd you think of With Nail and I? Well, you're, you're gonna ask. <laughs> I can't tell you, and here's why. I'll give you my explanation. Because you haven't watched it. So, well, of course not. Carrie so, Nagy so watched the it before final you. night. The final night that I had to watch it, I sat down. I had it out. I, shut up, Carrie. <laughs> I, I sat down. I had it out. I, I pulled the TV up. I got all ready, and I put it into the PS4. And that PS4 does not play Blu-rays. Oh. And I was like, not about to move my whole dinner and the dogs and everything into the office. So it has not happened yet. But you, as you well know. Until it's the right time, there's no point in actually watching it. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway. All right. Everybody so, can bust my ass over here on Discord bust, while you're busting my ass at the same time. Bust his Lucky balls, me. everybody. <laughs> How was it, Carrie? You watched it for free? How'd you watch it for free? Carrie Nate. She said she watched it online because she's got all the all the hookups to all the free stuff. Where did you watch that? Where is it for free? I did something oh, or other. Oh, oh, oh I see. Uh, did you, it was great, right? Wasn't it amazing? Talk chat. This is a podcast for people that are just listening. Is a pot? <laughs> you said fantastic, <laughs> funny. There. Okay. All right. Anyway. Well, I will. You know, I'm going to watch it, mm-hmm. and you know, I'll love it, and then you know, I'll watch it again, and we'll talk about it. But okay. obviously, we can't talk about it this time because my PS4 doesn't play Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. I have a Blu-ray player right here on my computer. <laughs> she laughed pretty hard. Okay, movies. All right. Yeah, I, I actually wrote some down this time, cause, and, and I didn't even touch. T- there's so many so many good movies. That, uh, do you want to start this time? I started last time. Do you have you? Mo- Do you have a movie ready to go? Or Yeah, I thought of, I mean, I, I thought of a bunch of different movies. You know, it's hard not to think about good movies. Yeah, I'll start out. I want to start with a documentary. Uh, one of my favorite documentaries is called Dark Days. And I don't know, Chet, if you've seen it. I, um, you know, I started watching it and I didn't finish it because I don't know why. It was like something about it. My brother told me to watch that movie. And well, it's a great film. Yeah, I got to watch the it again. Story, the story behind it is also really fascinating because the guy that made that documentary, it, it's all shot 16 millimeter, What's black and white. I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. It's about homeless people living in a, a network of abandoned subway tunnels in New York. Um, but basically what this guy did, the filmmaker, was he he liquidated all of his belongings hmm. in order to become homeless effectively and dumped all that into this camera and getting this film and then went down into the subway systems and started becoming friends with the homeless people down wow. there and basically got them to become his crew to shoot this documentary. So it's all shot by the people that were living down yeah. there. It's 
capturing the dramas of their lives and they have these whole homes and and you know mini towns and things down there and at the time there was a big push against getting them out and so the documentary kind of documents the end of this era where they were getting pushed out into public housing and stuff but the end of it before they were really out and so it's pretty fascinating to watch hey, remember, um, and it's also really the mood yeah, and it's super dark. gritty and black and white right <clears throat> yeah and then when they got you know and then they went and they 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 were you know uh, got creepy. it developed edit it together but it's really a fantastic documentary i mean it's got a great score it's got you know great graphics and font logo it's got an incredible story wonderful characters disturbing enlightening hopeful you know sad it's just got all the stuff yeah, and it's I, I so dramatic and moving you know i remember it being i think it was probably so depressing i turned it off at a certain point i think that's what it was because it was really I, I i got probably a quarter way through it or halfway through it and it was just like grim as hell it was creepy and gr super grim which i normally am into but um i don't know i, I have to watch it i'll have to give it a go after you watch well, it I, with nail and, and i think that i really got excited <laughs> about it too because it was after i'd made my first documentary which was called the many faces of homelessness and i had made that for a, a class project my, my senior class project actually in film school and it was like 45 minutes long. I made it for TV so you could have like 15 minutes of commercials in it. And I won Best Feature Documentary that year in Bellingham at the Projections Film Festival with it. And so I was really in that world because I had been traveling and, you know, dressed like my, a crusty punk rocker like I am most of the time and going into these homeless worlds and meeting these people and in, interviewing them and, and checking out their spaces and kind of coming into their spaces and stuff, which a lot of those environments are scary to go yeah. into. Um, and so at any rate, I had gone through this process. And so then I watched Dark Days and it was just really, you know, powerful to kind of watch someone else's experience. You're like, damn, after. this guy made the movie I was trying to make. Shit. Eh, not so much. <laughs> I was a college kid using some like <laughs> renting cameras from the, the college, these little crappy mini DV cameras and making a class project, you know. But it was just it, it was it was kind of cool to see someone else's experience of doing that and knowing that he went through it even more intensely than I certainly did. It wasn't like I was living with the, under the the ground with people i would go home every day you know oh uh, yeah okay andrew hawkins said unsane is a new movie from steven soderbergh shot on a phone okay oh okay That's steven amazing. soderbergh's great i love his stuff hold on it's supposed to be a good psychological horror. i love the psychological horrors but i wanted to start with a documentary because i mean i didn't mention of course the devil and daniel johnston on the last episode but we mentioned mentioned it the episode before and it's clearly i had already t said that it's my favorite documentary hands down um but i'm not trying to talk all about it this time other than everyone should watch the devil and daniel johnston because it's one of the best documentaries ever made um but i just wanted to start with a documentary because i don't believe that i mentioned any documentaries last time and documentaries are important to me i really care for them <laughs> okay that's a good so, one sure right, is to you let's see here okay here's a good one this is a, a one of my earliest influences and one of the probably one of the biggest it better not it better not be it better with, not be with nail and i night of dead if it's no. night of the living dead i'm gonna be like dude how many episodes are gonna talk about this bro <laughs> sorry go ahead we haven't done we need to do a night of the living dead episode anyway uh this probably has the biggest influence on the dystopia concept, my artwork, and anything I can think of. Yeah, Carrie Nagy. Oh, there you go. Carrie Nagy said, whole episode, Night Living Dead. <laughs> this movie is Wizards. 
You ever see Wizards? Oh yeah, Wizards is great. The animated Absolutely. movie. I mean, look, yeah. you watch it now. It's it's you know as a film, it's got some issues, but at the, I remember at the time I saw it at the theater. It's really it's an amazing animated film, and uh, it's it's it has so many concepts that I know sunk into my brain. And, Andrew Hawkins is all stoked. He's all Bakshi, Wizard. <laughs> yeah, Ralph Bakshi, Ralph Bakshi or Bakshi uh, made it. Um, and it's got, you know, there's a, if you look at that movie and you look at the dystopia world of my artwork, you can see the connections there. There's, oh, yeah. You know, well, you and I even talked about guys. it when we were doing the interviews and stuff. Right. And the gun, you know, the, the guns and the, the yeah, it, it's a The trip. skeleton heads with the regular fleshy bodies right, and stuff. yeah, yeah. So that's a great one. It's a great one to see Wizards. It came out in the 70s. That's um, great. It's such a good one. I saw that in college, actually. My buddy, uh, well, my roommate at the time, Mike Duncan, he was really into that kind of stuff. And he was like, you've never seen this? So, you know, we got super ripped and then sat down and watched it. And I was like, wow, like blown away, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, again, I was raised in the 80s and watched a lot of animations and stop action shit that was like not high produced because the technology wasn't there. And that doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. It's about the art and the style and the story and the feel and, you know. Right. The dramatic yeah. stuff. It's it, you know, just be aware if you do watch it. It's from the '70s, so there's some really '70s. There's a couple of cheesy '70s things, '70s type things like the titles are really. I mean, it's kind of cool now. It's it's uh, funny, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. kitschy in a way, but so you can enjoy it in that way. Um, yeah, damn, a dystopia movie using. Bakshi's old rotoscoping style would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, the, yeah. The, some of those battle scenes where they're rotoscoping over film footage with those evil, like the evil army with the glowing eyes. Yeah. Again, again, very dystopia to to me, but it's so good and so creepy and and it's really violent too for a cartoon. Sure. Well, and pretty risque as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, yeah, it's got some, some adult cartoon stuff nudity stuff going yeah. on in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that all that kind of stuff, all that material, probably, you know, whether we acknowledge it or not, it clearly influenced you and your vision and your creative direction. So, of course, sure. dystopia would have shades of it if it's something that was profound to you as a young person when you were creating all your neural pathways and stuff. Yeah. You know? So let me let me see what, what year this came out. This came out in. 77 so i was 10 years old so i saw that when i was 10 years old which was i was good. negative two. <laughs> oh man so that's you know 10 years old is a an influential time in a person's life that's for damn yeah, sure yeah that's when i started getting in i got into heavy metal magazine that comic heavy metal mm-hmm, comic mm-hmm. magazine around that time and and uh famous monsters and that's really when i was developing all that my taste you're finding yeah your taste like you weren't like well i like this because my brother likes this or i like this because my friend likes this it's like i like this because i like this. yeah that's right yeah for sure okay your turn well uh, dovetailing off that actually i would say that one of the big ones for me as a kid was the never-ending story and i still love that film to this day and the never-ending story is such an awesome film because I mean, obviously, again, as a kid, the technology, you know, 
wasn't there like it is now. And so you had to kind of fill in a lot of the gaps. But at the same time, they went to extreme lengths to create this whole entire fantasy world, you know. Mm. And what I loved the most about it was effectively that it was it kind of mirrored what I felt like my experience was as a kid where it was like, here's this kid who's living this normal life. But then there's like this parallel dimension that he like gets sucked into periodically, you know, and he has to deal with this whole intense drama. But no one in the real world is even hip to that that's even going on, you know. And it's like right. this whole thing he has to deal with. And I remember so many things about that movie really hitting me in like a really deep, dark place. Like the idea of the nothing. I remember because for me, I had this thing called the something. Again, if you listen to emails from infinity, soundcloud.com forward slash emails from infinity. That's a podcast that I made out of a book I wrote. And the something was this thing that was after me, you know, and it's so very much when I watched that and there was this nothing, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not, you know, it was like there was a feeling of like, did you have the something idea before you found out about the nothing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a trip. Yeah, it was really weird. And it was like. It, for for me, I guess it, it gave me that camaraderie or corroboration that like somehow like, oh, OK, I, I'm not signature in this experience, you know, mm-hmm. but it was also terrifying because the nothing was like taking over everything and what was left behind, but nothing. And like what an existential dread. Right. And especially right. for a kid, like trying to perceive nothing, you know, even as an adult, that's a little bit hard to stomach, let alone as like a kid, you know. But I loved that movie and I loved all the different characters and the, you know, the rock biter and the turtle and, you know, and it, but it was so dramatic and sorrowful at times, you know, with the horse in the quicksand dying and he's trying to say, Artek, Artek, you know, <laughs> it's fucking awesome, dude. I, and, I, and then, you know, I, the, then I, also at the end, like having to go through these gates to get through like these different levels, basically. And the last one is like effectively the ego thing where he has to face this mirror, you know, he gets through right. these like has to like be brave and he has to get through all these different stages and then he has to face himself, you know? And it's like just all of the things they wrapped into that that were so adult, but at the same time they played all these childhood angles. And of course he's the main character is this kid. And it was so real to me as a kid and so fantastical. I just bought every second of it. Like it was a real world to me, you know? So I still love that film. I still own that film. I unfortunately missed that because I was like 16 years old and it was like, I don't know. It seemed like a kid's movie at the time. So I just, you know, I ended up getting it for my kids as an adult. And, you know, it's like I sort of missed my window of opportunity to really be influenced by that movie. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I I definitely should see that. A lot of people, a lot of people love it. I know a lot of people who love that movie. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. and I can still every time I watch it, I'm easily just as entertained as I ever was with it. I, I I cease to be. There's just so many great things about it. Like there's so many classic characters, you know. And mm. and then I'll go outside and like look at a cloud, and I'll be like, oh my god, it's it's a luck dragon, you know. It's like <laughs> there's just so many references that like wheedle their way into your daily life. So that one dovetails, I think, good off Wizards because it's the same kind of yeah, like yeah. really hit me as a child in like a strong, powerful way, you know. Right. Okay, my turn. Um, uh, um, oh, come on. Well, I got a bunch here. I want to choose. It seemed like you were all excited. Now you didn't even have one No, picked. I got, look, I got a bunch of them on here. I'm trying to pick which would be the next one to go, uh, best one to go. I'll, okay, I'm going to go with the uh, Monty Python films. And those were all, you know, pretty much all of the Monty Python films are just some of the best movies in my opinion i could watch them over and over holy grail is amazing meaning of life is amazing life of brian is amazing it's my favorite yeah it's great 
But you know, that's just, just you know, what I what what can you even say about the Monty Python films? You, if you've seen them, you know what I'm talking about. I really, uh, Life of Brian is so, it's such an amazing satire of Christianity. It's so amazing, so brilliant. Just the the. And it's funny that they got, you know, there was protests about that movie by Christians sure. when it came out and they didn't even see it. And 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 they they never even knocked Jesus in it ever. Sure. They they sure. they they're ragging on they're the people. They're knocking the institution. Well, no, they're not not even the institution. They're knocking the people. They're knocking his followers. They're not cuz sure. it's like, you know, the only mention of Jesus or the only time you see Jesus in that movie is Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, and there's a bunch of people in the, you know, really far away, like they got the shitty seats, so they can barely mm-hmm. hear him. And they're like, what? Did he just say, blessed are the cheesemakers? <laughs> <laughs> and so then they start arguing over what he's saying because they can't hear him. And, right. and that's the only time that. Isn't he, in that movie, don't they do the whole uh, witchcraft drowning of the witch thing in that movie? No, that's Holy Grail. Oh, that's Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. That's what's great about all of Monty Python stuff is there's that social criticism and social satire yeah. it's just so smart and so so great um I, do, one of the one of the great amazing scenes too in life of brian is that totally out of left field scene where if you haven't seen the movie basically brian is a guy in living in the jesus times and he gets mistaken for a messiah and he's not and he doesn't want to be and then people keep following him and he can't get him to stop and uh at one point so it's just kind of about his life. And at the, I, that the one point, I remember being in the theater and, and me and my dad went and saw it when it came out. And it just, just busting up where he goes up that, he's being chased by Roman guards. And he goes up that tower and, and he mm-hmm. falls off the tower and that spaceship comes by and he lands on the spaceship. And then he goes into <laughs> outer space and has like a total fucking battle with some other spaceship in space. And he's flying around and, and it's like these crazy aliens in there the, the aliens are like uh uh what's it? terry gilliam designed aliens that are so great they're like a suit like a creature alien suit with this big head and then their hands coming at the top of the head holding an eyeball and it but it's made up to look like these big aliens with these big eyeballs coming out of their heads and then they get in that big fight and then they get hit with by another spaceship and then his spaceship crashes into the ground and then brian the guy who's getting chased like he's all stunned and he gets out of the spaceship and walks around the Roman guards are coming right back down the stairs again. So he has to continue the chase. It's fucking brilliant. It's so funny, but it's, it's the other thing that's great in that too, that's super um, topical to, to what's going on nowadays um, is the, the people's front of Judea, the whole uh, protest group that, that are protesting the Romans and they're arguing over, what they should call the name of the group. And it's just basically showing how the, the stupid in yeah, <laughs> yeah, the J- Judean peoples, they're arguing whether to call it the people's front of Judea or the Judeo's people's front. And then one of the men in it is actually a, a woman. So their creed, their whole creed is like every man, blah, blah, blah. And he'll say, and woman. And so just how they <laughs> have to keep, that. yeah, ar- they're just arguing about all these kind of dumb details. And uh, that's, that's really, you know, as with, most good movies, the, the the great parts are applicable applicable in modern times as well. You know, there's a lot sure, of sure. stuff that's really relevant now. So, 
Uh, well, and I remember I was at your place one time, and you you had me sit through an incredible amount of Monty Python stuff. <laughs> like you had me sitting there. You were like I had taking the TV naps. Show, yeah. you, you'd be like, "Here, watch this," and then you'd like disappear for an hour and a half <laughs> yeah. and come back, and I'd be like, "Oh, I've been watching that the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, those were great. Was, I had the whole TV series on the box set, and Holy Grail is the first one, which is totally great. So good. Um, that's the one i've seen the most i've seen that one a lot of times throughout my life yeah. the life of brian i haven't seen since i was probably like 15 but that's i just remember lo- loving it when i was a kid that's one you have to yeah i i loved it when i was a kid and then i watched it as an adult and it's so much better because I there's bet. so much stuff that like the political stuff that you don't catch when you're a kid yeah it's so much funnier and so much so so much sharper um yeah and of course you know holy grail's got so many classic you know parts and other just quotable and you know the whole fighting the black knight and getting his arms and legs cut off and that oh whole yeah scene is just yeah. hilarious and amazing and the coke are the ones and... the knights of knee bring yeah. us some shrubbery yeah. <laughs> and the uh, we will say knee at you <laughs> the french yeah, guys so at the castle so ridiculous. yeah it's just it's amazing um the me have you seen the meaning of life yeah, but it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I watched all that one. shit as like a young person, you know. And then I've the only one I've watched as an adult, aside from the, all the television you had me watch, was uh, I've obviously watched uh, the Holy Grail a bunch of times. Right. I just watched that actually two years ago on a big screen in the park in downtown Santa Fe oh, at night. Cool. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. It's Meaning of Life is great. I think it's the last one they did. It's got Mr. Creosote, which is the famous one. Yeah, I remember that, that giant fat guy who goes in the wafer thin mint and uh it's so gross with the puking puking in the bucket it's amazing yeah, you had me watch that you had me watch that whole thing <laughs> it's so good it's so brilliant but anyway so i i kind of okay i lumped all those three together so you can go now <laughs> everybody okay. watch those movies they're the best watch them watch them now watch them. Well, I'm going to go with a completely different genre, and I have to bring up one of my all-time favorite films, which is the film Fight Club, because I absolutely love the movie Fight Club. I also actually love the book by Chuck Palahniuk. The uh, Fight Club book is great, too, but I actually read the book after having seen the film, so I can't lay claim to being like a bookie that found it as a film. <laughs> now for something um, completely different, he said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now for something completely different. But I, 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 I totally love Fight Club. Fight Club was one of those movies that I remember the first time I watched it. You know, I mean, okay, first of all, David Fincher, right? Because David yeah. Fincher is one of my favorite directors. And he just stomps the title sequence out of every film. Just absolutely. It's like always so engaging. So I remember that fly-through. It is like this digital fly-through of this apartment, you know. And it was so techy. You're going like through all these things yeah. down to the can and like there's a starbucks cup and shit and it just looks so real and the music's the dust brothers so it's like it all works so well and then to have that whole title sequence come out the pour on his face and up the handle of the gun and have the starting of the film be effectively the end of the film i mean it's just like it's so genius you know and then right away you're like what is even going on here you know and they hit you time and time again with so much overwhelming information that it's really hard to even know what's going on to begin with and so you're so bamboozled you don't even have even an inkling really or i didn't that there was this split personality thing by the way spoiler uh thing going on you know and stuff like that put a spoiler alert because i've got my my fight club story is that this friend of mine spoiled it spoiled it for me and i was so pissed because i love that movie it's amazing and and he kept saying yeah there's a he hated it this guy i worked with jim Hope. oh yeah yeah he hated it 
He's wow. like, it was so obvious. The whole thing was so obvious. The whole twist was so obvious. And I just kept saying, please, please don't tell me. This went on for weeks. I haven't seen it yet. Please don't tell me what the twist is. Please don't ruin this for me. Right. And and he finally one day, he he just couldn't help himself. And he just told me. And I was like, you fucking asshole. You just ruined like one of the most amazing movies ever for me. Yep. And, and yeah, I, that's, that's... When, when I see a movie, I'm like kind of dumb. Like I just buy into what they're doing if it's well made. Sure. And I usually am surprised by the twists. I don't, Lisa's like, Lisa always gets the twist Skip before the end. She's just yeah. got a, a mind like that. But I would have completely been like, oh my God. And, right, and, right. He, and he took that from me, that fucker. Yeah, that's lame. I mean, and that's one of the things about Fight Club that's so enjoyable is the reviewability because you watch the film under a certain pretense and you're given enough evidence that at some point in time you reach that curve, you know, where you make the conclusion, whether it's when they want you to or prematurely. But either way, then you want to watch the whole movie again to color it in with this new filter of like, oh, and here's the thing is I, I'll take it to one step further. And, and, you know, I won't actually spoil this for you, Chad, or for anybody else. There is a, another element to that film that people absolutely miss. There is there's more than just one thing going on that everyone seems to like. Okay, yeah, there's an aha, right? And again, mm-hmm. we, we know this is a spoiler. Tyler Durden is Jack and also Tyler Durden, right? He is, he right. is Brad Pitt's character and Edward Norton's character. Everyone, they give you that. That's a give. At the end of the film, they give you that. The reason I think they give you that is so that you'll watch the movie again. And if you watch the movie again, you start to pick up on some other hints. And those other hints lead you to draw another – whole other facet to that film that they don't ever conclude upon in the end. They're never going to tell you the the conclusion that I would say right now if I wanted to ruin it for you. But I won't ruin it for you. So what I'm going to tell you is you should watch Fight Club again and think about the fact there's probably something you still don't know about that Hmm. film and that a lot of people still don't know about that film. Are you talking about the subliminal stuff in there? No, no. It's not even subliminal. It's like put it this way. There's a bunch of subliminal stuff that that tips you off to to the main thing. Well, yeah, I mean, they're always trying to give you tips so yeah. that they, they basically want to stay one step ahead of you, but they want you to come to that ultimate conclusion around the time in the story that they lead you there, right? So that's the give is that they eventually do tell you the, the, that secret. But there's a whole other secret is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. and that that whole other secret also has these references throughout the film. And as you're looking at these references – Read the Discord and see if that's yeah, what it is. Saw, is that what it is? As you're – I'm not going to spoil it for you. Yeah, and that's, I, I've heard that, though. It, you, you don't say it to the audience, but I've, I've heard no, that before. No. I've heard that theory Here's before. Here's the thing. Is as you're watching it, there are other little pieces of evidence that they will never at the end say, all of these equal that. And right. what it's doing is creating for a, a more uh, astute, intelligent, or even just a, an, a viewing audience member that wants to get more engaged. They allow you still that ambiguity to draw yet a further dimension and a further conclusion about the film that is even more thought provoking, right. I think, than anything else. Right. Keep, and I keep think talking that about you, it. Keep talking about it. If you read the book, what you end up finding is, is that there is also, you know, an indication in the book of, of this conclusion that I'm I'm talking about in the film. You know, and so it's interesting because a lot of people do get these films spoiled for them, sure. And that that does suck. But the reality is, is that there's always more, I think, in a really good film to be found. And that is one of the things that I found in that film, having watched it several times, 
is that there is another dimension to it. So Chet has now wandered away to talk on the telephone. Sorry, guys. And I'm not just going to keep talking about the same film endlessly and repeating my words over and over. Andrew Hawkins is on Discord, and he posed what he thinks that it might be. And I'm not going to pay credence one way or the other to it simply because, you know, I think that it should be yet another opportunity for people to draw some conclusions. You done with your diatribe? (laughs) Before I was even telling them that you were off on the phone and I wasn't going to like uselessly talk about it. <laughs> okay. That was good. That's a great one. It's a classic. Um, I agree. And I'm, and I, it's like funny. Every time we do these episodes, I want to go, I'm like, I'm going to watch these movies. And then I don't watch them. Cause I get, <laughs> there's like, we're at a point now in the world, at least for me working at home and being able to watch things while I work, that there's too much media now. It's like, there's too much to get to. Like there's yeah. between podcasts and books and TV shows and movies. There's so much. It's it's like there's never nothing to watch or listen to, you know. It's pretty cool. But anyway, uh, oh, Andrew liked Stalker. He watched already once. He watched it again because oh. I had told him to watch it before. And I know he, and he and I had discussed it when he came out here for his Land of Enchantment tour. But he just said he watched it again last night. And it was, of course, still excellent. I mean, how could it not be? Yeah, it's such a good movie. I just thought about that the other day because uh, Joy and I the other night. This isn't on my top list, but uh, the other night we watched uh, the Chernobyl Di- Chernobyl Diaries again. I hadn't watched the Chernobyl Diaries in I don't know five years or something when it first came out. But it's a pretty good horror movie. I mean, it's not fantastic, you know. It's got its mm. faults. It's not amazing, but it's it's cool because it takes place in Prepyat, mm. which was the city where all the workers that worked at Chernobyl oh, were actually cool. housed. It is actually filmed there, so it's cool. Um, and it's you know it's interesting it's it's a good film it's a it's a fun watch but it made me think of Stalker of course because right. of our conversations about Chernobyl and all of that related to the Zone and that film so um, yeah so anyway okay. Fight Club watch Fight Club again Fight it's Club. a great film there's so much more going on there's so much going on in that film you could watch it five times a year and never learn it all okay my turn French Connection William Friedkin Ooh, good choice love that movie it's so great so well done. <clears throat> and it's very kind of racist. <laughs> that ca- the character, I mean, it's weird because it's one of those movies you. I don't know if you could do it today, because that Popeye, Popeye Doyle, the cop character, you know, is like <laughs> right away. It was like Popeye Doyle. <laughs> he's he's a, he's great, and uh, but he is kind of racist in the movie, uh, uh, like at least in his language, which is weird when you see these old movies where they, you know. Even with nails and I has a couple sort of slightly racist terminologies because uh, it's and that was made in the eighties. But you know the guy, the writer was like, "Yeah, I can't believe I, I wrote that." But you know what? That was how we talked back in the sixties, and so I put it in. I didn't even think about it back then. But anyway, and probably the same for the Pop Popeye Doyle. Yeah, Andrew says products of their time. Yeah. Pop, Popeye Doyle was a real guy you know it's based on a real true story but um just freed william friedkin he's one of my favorite directors yeah Friedkin's he did amazing. the exorcist and um uh, another one i recently saw for the first time called sorcerer have you ever seen sorcerer you we talked about that though you just so i think good. i remember you just bringing that up i think even on the last episode but no i haven't seen it yeah it's really good it's I was excited. One, one of his, about yeah, it. one of his freaking's best films, definitely, and it's like a '70s movie. 
or maybe it was just you and me talking on the phone or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get it all so. mixed up, but you told me the whole thing about it. I remember you telling me the whole story. Yeah, it's really great. <clears throat> but anyway, French Connection's great. It's got, you know, one of the classic car chase scenes. And I love the thing I love about William Friedkin's stuff is he he's comes from a documentary background. That's what he first mm-hmm. he first made docu- documentary films. And so his films, especially in the seventies, have a really gritty, realistic documentary feel to them without looking contrived. Like nowadays, I was noticing this when I watched that show Succession on HBO. It's this new show. It's really, really good, actually, about this, you know, basically a Rupert Murdoch-type family. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the first episode, they had all that phony, baloney, bullshit camera shaking to make it look mm-hmm. like, you know, verte. Mm-hmm. And oh, it pissed me off because it was so obviously contrived. It wasn't real. It was overdone. It was all shaky and up. Oh, made me mad. See, I'm like knocking shit around. <laughs> Pisses me off I, when I see that. It's like I want to complain to HBO and say you need to fire that cameraman or cinematographer because I just don't like it when it, it takes you out of the moment. If it's too much, it has to be yeah. natural, you know. But freaking was with exorcist with sorcerer he was all, always able, able to capture this kind of gritty realism that i really love in movies mm-hmm. um, and it's you know kind of a perfect movie I, i'm trying to think of uh i mean there's you know you never get bored in it it's always moving forward it's just the characters are great it's got roy scheider in it and um what's his name uh gene hackman is popeye doyle and uh yeah it's just about like gene hackman's so awesome yeah he's great he's great it's the about classic a, villain yeah yeah he, he's he's great he's not a villain in that though he's kind of like an anti-hero i guess you could say in the french connection sure and the one thing that's weird about that movie is that if you i don't know if you remember if you've seen it recently it's got a weird no weird, i haven't seen it in a long yeah, time it's got a weird ending it's got a weird ending it's got like one of those open-ended endings that i usually hate I but, like open-ended endings. Yeah, I, I don't really like that. But it's weird because he's chasing, you know, at the end, spoiler again, we'll put spoiler alert so people, if they don't want to get spoiled. If you haven't seen French Connection by now, you deserve a spoiler because it's like from 75 or something. Um, but he's chasing the bad guy, and at the very end, he's chasing the bad guy in this abandoned building. He goes through a door, follows him in there. But, you, you know, you know that the guy's over here and Popeye Doyle is looking around and he goes down and he kind of goes where you know the guy is and mm-hmm. you hear a gunshot and that's the end of the movie. And it's like you don't uh, know what the hell happened, <laughs> you know. And it's I saw. You so know, did it bother you? Were you were you uh, pissed? It, the movie is so good; it didn't really bother me. It, it's yeah. like, and it's so small; it's such a small part of the movie that it didn't bug me. It bugs me when like it feels like you're going to be you're set up to be told the story at the end. You're set up mm-hmm. to be told a re- resolution, and you're not told that's what bugs me it's like when they yeah. when they lead you on like that you know if you're yeah, gonna be just yeah. weird and not explain things that's fine but don't pretend like you're gonna you know wrap it all up in a bow if you're not <clears throat> yeah yeah i feel you there that makes sense so 
Well, I mean, this, I guess my next one fits kind of along the lines of those, at least arrow wise. I wanted to bring up Soylent Green because I just oh, yeah, love a great the film Soylent Green. My dad turned me on to Soylent Green when I was pretty young. My dad let me watch a lot of pretty cool movies. Oh, that reminds me of one. I'm going to um, do for my next one. And Soylent Green is, again, it's it's really kind of this era piece because it was filmed in the 70s, and so it's got that vibe about it. But I think the thing that I like about it the most is is that it's, again, it's this you know dystopian, a post-apocalyptic world where there's all these people, and they're focused in these very small areas, and everyone's poor and homeless. There's no food. And then there's these rich people in these ivory towers that have basically everything, you, can, you know, fruit and fresh meat. And, you know, and, and again, in that film, there's some interesting, uh, you know, hardcore sexism, misogyny stuff in it. Like the women come with a room and they're called furniture, you know, yeah, and it's but like that's, hard. That's, but, but that's the though. point they're making. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying is, is that they're like, <laughs> they're, they're drawing these conclusions about this fucked up future, you know, yeah. and it, and it's something that's well, that was close a time enough that the you could buy it, you know, that that would be going on. The feminist era, you know, it was oh, yeah. created during that era when feminism Well, it was, was meant to freak people out and enrage people, right. you know, and again, it's like, you know, this is one of those films that I won't say what, what you know, any of the, the spoiling <laughs> stuff about it because it's it, it so will really is... ruin it. It really will ruin it for people, but it's such an awesome film, and not just because the sets and you know the and uh, Charlton Heston, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, just because that's so fun in and of itself. But it's like also just the storyline and the concept behind it, and you know, like even I'll just, just to drop one interesting hint. There's this. There's they have this concept in it that it's like. You know, you're so miserable with this existence of being alive that you just get these suicide kits for free, you know, and you like everyone's got these suicide kits just That's to like right. call it in and be like, fuck it, you know, yeah. I'll just take this. You know, and and there's these places where you can go to 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 commit suicide in the movie that are like you get to like watch footage of like nature because nature oh, doesn't yeah, exist. I remember that. Or, yeah. And they kill you, you know, like they, they, you know, put some chemical in you, kills you. But it's like, again, these ideas are, you know, very much ahead of their time, kind of Fahrenheit 451, you know, Ray Bradbury-esque. And, but also something that's close enough that you could buy it and you could see it happening. And mm. so it's kind of terrifying and it's like right at your front doorstep, you know? And that, so to me, I love that film. And of course, the Technicolor, the old Panavision aspect of it, you know, the color, just the yeah. feel of that film stock you know and it's just it still it holds true it stands up today even you know and they're like crowd controlling people with these human bulldozers and stuff it's just so amazing yeah it's yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's it is great. so far ahead of its time you know so anyway that's always been a big favorite of mine and it's a flashback but it's definitely if you haven't watched it you've got to watch soil and green and i have not spoiled it for you so enjoy well okay i'm gonna that reminds me of one that wasn't on my list and i used to always watch this movie and it and i and i bring it up because it's so uh uh, it was so made me feel so bad when i was a kid i remember feeling so bad for these fucking robots it's called it reminds me because the title's the same and it came out around the same time silent running have you seen silent running (laughs) it's about it's been a long time so i'm i might get the premise wrong but it's bruce dern and he is part of a team of people on a like a uh, a space station that has nature in it. That's got like rabbits, animals, plant life because you know everything's so fucked up on Earth. And um, so they're trying to you know. And he's like all into it. And then the other guys that are there are just like don't give a shit. They're like beer drinking asshole space mm-hmm. guys. And they're they're like they have these like little buggies they drive around on and they like they're partying and driving through all the space jerks. Andrew (laughs) said totally they're like driving through all this. He's all into the gardening and, and 
and keeping everything nice and petting the rabbits and making sure all the animals are fed. And these guys are just like running through, like, you know, fucking everything up. And um, it's really great. And what's also very cool is they have these robots. They're the coolest robots, like pre-Star Wars. Um, I guess it's the same technique they used for R2-D2 where they had like a little person kind of in a robot. But these robots were so weird. Um, Shorter, like little blocks, like Space Invader guys that like from Mm -hmm. that video game space invader Mm -hmm. they kind of remind me of that this weird shape and these two little feet and it's like a little person in there but the feet are really it might have been amputees they used or something and um their feet they're so wide widely spread apart it doesn't look like it might be like amputees with their hands walking on their hands maybe Uh. and so they really look real and so uh they're like little servant robots that don't speak or anything, but you, man, you feel like so you feel like they're little creatures, like alive creatures. And it's, uh-huh, I remember uh-huh. just feeling like so bad for these little things when these asshole guys would be around and you're worried they're going to hurt the robots. And the robots <laughs> are great. like all nice. And he's friend, the good guy's friends with, you know, he's like treats the robots well and right. it's really good. You should see it. It's, but it's, it's a total like, 70s hippie movie like uh uh about ecology and the environment and stuff <laughs> i so love it's it totally got that message but it, it's that really great. it's great yeah it's really great those are important messages especially now i mean yeah, they were important yeah, I then know. fast forward 30 years that's shit, what's amazing fucked. about science fiction you know <laughs> science fiction yes. is, is like always kind of talking about what's right possibly up up in the horizon well, and that's why Soylent Green, same reason why it's so good, because it's like that's that feeling of like, well, fuck, who knows, right. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons why well, this isn't on my top list, but that's one of the reasons why I love Idiocracy so much. You oh, know, I'm not man. a big comedy yeah. fan, but it's like I remember watching that movie and I didn't think to myself so at the time on. that it was outlandish. <laughs> I remember thinking, shit, that's scary. Like, that's kind of prophetic. And then, of course, now you look at it and you're like, like whoa, way it prof- happened. Prophetic. It straight up happened, you know? Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, the next movie that I will put on the list, I don't know if you've seen, is called Children of Men. Have you seen Children oh, yeah, of Men? Oh, yeah, that's a great one. That's got yeah, that so one like, long shot in the beginning. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Children of Men, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because, in my opinion, it's kind of like a, a, like a modern-day Soylent Green because they have similar concepts. They have suicide kits in it. The world mm-hmm. is kind of coming to an end. It's explicit. It's not explicitly stated. It's more implied that, like, shit's all fucked up, but no one really straight up says it. The only thing you know is that no one can have kids and there's basically like one person that like there's this baby that's like been born and you know and once you know no one's able to have kids everyone's sterile and so they're like trying to this or no it's this woman who's pregnant and no one's been able to be pregnant and they're trying to smuggle her out so that a child can be born basically and so and and it's but it's such a good film and it's like the way they shoot it's so gritty and in your face and like you said it's the opposite of cinema verite that's done poorly it's it's, done right where you really feel like you're there like it's it's almost like you're in like a first person shooter game where you're like another character that's like a stand in and it feels very real and it's very intense too like there are moments where you're shocked like whoa that just happened oh my god you know well that one the opening scene the one long scene is like a it's so it's so intense when the thing finally happens yeah and uh i won't say anything but uh, yeah, yeah i don't want to spoil who's that the movie director? i don't who's the director i don't know i'm not sure and i don't know a lot of i don't think a lot yeah that sounds right um i don't know a lot of people that have seen it um you know it's not like a common film 
And so I no, just think, what Alfonso. Is, we got a recommendation here from Mr. Andrew Hawkins. He says, check out ZPG Zero Population Growth with oh. Oliver Reed. Great film to pair with Soylent Green and Children of Men. Great. Thanks, oh. Andrew. Zero Excellent. population growth with Oliver Reed for people listening. Yeah, so Children of Men to me was like I just – I didn't – it was one of those movies where I didn't hear about it. No one told me about it. I didn't even know it existed. Oh, really? I was like – I bought it on DVD at Fred Meyer when I lived in Washington randomly because it looked good. And I took it home and we sat down and we were both just like gobsmacked. Like, fuck. What a movie. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Whoa, Carrie hasn't seen it. Carrie's seen all movies. That's no, she's great. seen Children of Men. She hasn't seen oh. some of the population groups. I, I, group I haven't growth. either. I haven't, I haven't either. That's got to be an obscure one. Well, at any rate, that was my next one. I think it's a great film, and it's definitely worth the watch. And it's it's got, again, you know, it's it's an intense action film, so you've got to be in the mood for that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Really well done. Okay. Julianne Moore, I, she's in it too. She's so awesome. Yeah. So I got a split soon, so I'm gonna just kind of name my last few. Okay. Um, that I had like honorable mentions, I guess I won't go fully into, but um, uh, I turned. Here's one that's a light romantic comedy <laughs> that I love, and I turned you onto it, and it's called "Defending Your Life" by Albert. Oh, I Brooks. knew it. I knew it. You know, I was mowing today, and I was like, "He's gonna bring up defending your life." I love that life. movie. It's fucking it is. great. It's great. It's I hilarious. loved it. It was so awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you, you know, I never would have thought I would like a romantic comedy like that, but it's just it's fun. It's smart and it's funny, and I love Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks movies are great. He he, um, even one of his. I think his first movie is called Real Life from the late 70s or early 80s, where he completely predicted reality TV. Like Mm -hmm. the whole movie is a it's a fake document and fake documentaries. He was like one of the first people I think to ever do a mockumentary. It's a fake documentary about how he's following. He's got cameras in this family's home and base that whole thing. But anyway, Albert Brooks is a genius and he's got a lot of great movies like uh, um Defending Your Life is probably his best one, um, but uh, Mother's a good one that he just he did, you know, in the '90s maybe or the early 2000s. And uh, there's another really good one. Anyway, Albert Albert Brooks, uh, Blue Velvet, one of my favorite movies. David Lynch. We talked about that in the Lynch episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, we talked about Blue Velvet. Hugely influential on me, and one of the creepiest movies I think ever made. And just great, um, especially when you know a lot of the stuff that didn't I didn't understand when I was a kid was looking at it now. If you know what film film noir is and know the history of film noir, other things, parts of it make a little more sense. Um, anyway, uh, uh, um, Taxi Driver. Yeah, Taxi Driver is another great, great film. It's amazing. And, you know, with that weird. Am, ambi- ambiguous hero at the end, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing about how he go, he's, you know, a fucking psycho and ends up being a hero in the end. I just yeah, love, love awesome. that. It's so, so disturbing. It, and, yeah. And that final sequence where he finally kind of gets revenge on these scumbags is so good. That whole last scene okay. with Harvey Keitel as that pimp is amazing. It's so creepy. <laughs> yes. Harvey so Keitel creepy. is so underrated. He's such a good actor. Yeah, and I didn't even know it was him until, you know, I watched it again. I was like, holy shit, that's Harvey Keitel. Is like yeah, and he's so young, too. Sort of like a cholo kind of. Yeah, like, he's all, like, ripped, too. Yeah, and he's got, like, kind of, like, uh, sort of lowrider clothes. And, yeah, he's yeah, totally yeah. ripped. Wife and, beater and shit. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and the last one I'll mention, and there's so many more that, you know, of course. one day when we get to a point where we need topics again, we get to pull out the part three of the, the yeah, movie I mean, thing. I could do this for hours because yeah, there's know, so many good ones. Um, and I mentioned this, I think, probably maybe in the horror episode, horror movie episode. Didn't we do a horror movie episode? Yeah, yeah. We yeah, did The Haunting. Recently. The Haunting is another great horror film. Great, just a great film. Shirley Jackson story um, about a haunted house that where the house is actually haunted. And um, the house itself is haunted. It's really creepy, and it's great because they scares the shit out of you and it doesn't show you anything really um but i talked about that before so anyway i'll end on that one you could have the or do i get the final one well i have a, you just read off like three or four because <laughs> yeah, you're ahead. like well, well just... i have to go here in a second so uh, <laughs> go, i'm just go, gonna go, read go, off go, go ahead go ahead you could <laughs> no, do, just re- do do I'll just, abbreviated I'll, versions I'll like do, i did yeah i'll do what handful. you did so one of my number one favorite films is the shawshank redemption i oh, love yeah. the film the shawshank most of the ones of that you mentioned are like, oh, I should have mentioned that because it's like they're also my favorite movies. Cause yeah, so it's great. great. Well, there's too many good ones, you yeah, know. But right. of course, that's a that's a short story written by Stephen King called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which is also incredibly good. And they stayed pretty true to it as well in the film. But it is such a good film, you know, top to bottom, start to finish. Every actor that plays, every actress, every role, production quality, story. Yeah, it's, it's got all the curves, all the arcs, perfect. everything. I mean, they you can't basically, in my opinion – there really are very few other films that stand up as good as mm-hmm. The Shawshank. Period. I mean, really, yeah. it's such a good movie. One, uh, let me, asking, let me, has anyone watched Castle Rick on yeah, Hulu? Castle Rock. Yeah, Castle Rock. Yeah, I was going to tell you. I was going to tell <laughs> <Castle> you. <laughs> I was going to tell you. You have to watch that Castle Rock. It's all. Cool. It's like it's it's a, a new series about Castle Rock. You know, in Stephen King's just telling stories. me about it like, she was out in that area for a month and was like, oh, there's this show about Castle Rock. It's like they're filming there, and I'm out here where they're at right now. Oh, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. is good. It's really cool, and it's tying all of, you know, it's like Stephen King reality. That's cool. Show. Well, The Shawshank Redemption, for me, oh, just, one, let know, me say, Tim oh, Rob is amazing. Let me give you a Shawshank quick story. Uh, yeah. The guy who directed it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, or he wrote it. Uh, what's his name? I don't you know. know. You love the movie and you don't know who wrote it. Remember, I have it down here on DVD. I could pull it out. Uh, I'll look. Uh, uh, Frank Darabond. Oh Frank yeah, Darabond. Right. Who, who did The Walking Dead later? Walking Dead, and he also um, <clears throat> he directed it. He directed it and he did the screenplay. He's that dude's amazing, and he started The Walking Dead. And the I other thing, I met him early on. He wrote The Blob. Isn't that weird? He came into the oh, shop. Wow. Yeah, yeah, way back when, before he was the big shot from huh, Darabont. That's true. Yeah, so anyway, that's it. Very cool, very cool. Okay, so another film on my list that's a huge favorite is Seven, the film Seven. Oh, yeah, another classic. You know, it's. I mean, I guess those are kind of dovetailing because of the Morgan Freeman aspect, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's in both of those movies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Seven for me is another film that's just it, – it, it's so well done – you know, again, David Fincher stomping it with the title sequence, the Nine Inch Nails score with the crazy, creepy book and all the pictures, and he's sewing it together and slicing out his fingertips and stuff. It's so beyond. It's like it's like a Marilyn Manson music yeah. video from '96. It's such a good title sequence. You're like hooked immediately, and then they just carry you through this like hyper saturated film that's like they've like just double exposed to this like blackness. It's so dark and yeah. depth 
gritty and like the stories are intense. The acting is amazing. It's got, of course, amazing twists and turns, yeah. things you wouldn't expect if you've never seen it. It's it's such a good movie. Of course, as Carrie's saying, what's in the box? Yeah. Um, so anyway, that to me, Seven <laughs> is, is another one that's right up there with like – it was so profound when I watched it, you know, and I, I there's not a year that goes by I don't watch it again. It just still so, okay. really How old were you in the 90s? I was born in 79. So, you do the math. 89 I was 10, 99 I was 20. Okay. So yeah, it's funny that uh your a lot of your favorite movies are in the 90s when you were in, at that age group, and a lot of my yeah. favorite movies are like 70s and 80s when I was in that age group. Sure. Sure. Because it's like none of us, we haven't mentioned any new movies at all. No, but I have a lot. I've watched a lot of new movies that I really like. Uh, They're just not necessarily like the best movies. Yeah. (laughs) Because they don't make them like that anymore. We haven't had as many. Well, (laughs) I mean, I could talk forever on my soapbox about that. But I mean, the bottom line is, is that there was a heyday period where there there was a lot of money being dumped into real creative independent productions. And nowadays, it's just, again, as any business, it has to make money and they won't gamble on anything in an economy that's as shaky right. as it's been as long as it's been they just won't gamble on creative new ideas they know they can make money on remakes and prequels and sequels and all those are all going to make them the money they need to run a business yeah. so it's like you can't fault them but at the same time it makes you feel pukey because you know how much good material well, they, there is out there these indie they, writers all over the place that have great fucking ideas yeah they, well they say that you know the 70s was the heyday for the the studio system it's because they they sure. actually let the directors do what they wanted and they gave them a lot of money to do it right. And it's kind of gone downhill ever since. It has. Well, but here's the thing though. It's like nowadays you can make a movie on your cell phone. So it, it, it's just a different game we're playing and the, you know, the old guard is gone and it's not about, you know, looking good for the right people at the right time to get a deal. It's about making quality work and then hustling and angle through your, you know, the channels available to you as an individual, as an indie artist. So it's a brave new world. It's exciting, you know, Okay. So I, it'll be fun to see what happens. All right. Well, we're in an hour here, and I kind of have to split. So did you want to mention tell you any like more? Pee your pants or something? <laughs> no, seven's a good one to end it on. That's fine. We can always do another one of these, like yeah. you said, down the road. Seven's There's just so many good movies. I could go on. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I could think right now. I could think of at least ten more easily. So. I know. I know. Same we got to call it at some point. So. All right. Uh, Thank you for wait, listening. Wait, wait, wait. Andrew Hawkins says, check out a book called Easy Rider Raging Bulls about the heyday of indie movies. And we can't just cut it short because I need to read off the new members. Okay. We have Dark Art Society members that have joined us. And we implore you all to go over to patreon.com forward slash Society and become a member so you can listen to this live on Discord. And you can also be in the secret cooperative group and you can get pre-roll access and all kinds of great stuff. So we've got a Byron Winton that joined us. We've got a Soverano. We've got a Janelle Grace and an Adina Turner. Thank you all for joining the Dark Arts Society. Anyone else? Again, head over to patreon.com forward slash Dark Arts Society oh, and join us. And I, I want to say uh, soon, there's lots of cool stuff coming soon. The logo is almost done. It doesn't it look yeah. amazing. Yes, looks the logo great. looks amazing. And so that, that means we're going to have some great, exciting merch coming. Yes, very soon. I, I'm so excited about that. That logo Me looks too. so good. Um, all right, one last thing. The um, synesthesia word of the week. I was wondering if you're going to do that. Truth. Truth. Truth tastes like crunch berries. Crunch berries. I was going to think. I thought it was going to taste like peppermint for some reason. No. I was like, every time you do this, I try to think in my head. Like I try to be like, what would it be? And I'm always wrong. <laughs> crunch berries. All right. 
Yeah. When I, I used to do that at Rick's, I used to tell Mitch that Mitch Devane, and, and every time I would tell him, he'd go, he'd go, lick his lips, he'd go, "You're right." It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good response. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We gotta have Mitch on here sometime. Oh man, he would never go on. Oh man, he wouldn't do it. Believe that. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Tune yes. in next week for another episode of the Dark Arts Society podcast. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for being on Discord, you guys. Thank yeah, you for, for the uh, supporting the Patreon fun. and stuff, too, yeah. And so we'll figure out. Maybe, you know, we talked about doing a live YouTube deal, so we'll maybe try that next. Who knows? Sure. Yeah, have a good weekend, you guys, for right. you on the Discord. <laughs> and for everybody else, because it's Wednesday, so, you know, <laughs> once hump day's over, you're that much closer. <laughs> all right, we'll catch you guys all next week.